1: The NBA is back. Where else can you get this
0: type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city home to your biggest rival? The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history still in the making? Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. They hand it to
1: Steven, great jump cut, 45-4, a whole burst he's through it, 20, step to tackle, runs left, 25, still on speed. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker,
0: a high school quarterback, is going to throw, the fake is on, and he's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle, and the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Radio with Derek C. and Michael Stewart.
2: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. It's a Monday post-game show. We were all tied up on Sunday. Things get busy on weekends these days around here. Mike, how you
1: doing? Hey man, I'm doing great, man. It's good to be able to Come back here on a, a great Monday and talk some Rams football after another win. So man, excited.
2: Another win. I that gets a bit of a understatement. Rams go into Philadelphia and uh, the score is not even indicative of how much of a domination it was. Thirty seven nineteen in a game that gifted the Eagles a touchdown. Or Rams turnover today anyways. What are your first thoughts of the game? What were your, you were you shell-shocked a little bit? Thirty seven, nineteen. Philadelphia gives them all kinds of problems, and here we go.
1: Well, you know, I was a little shocked in the sense that anytime you have to go into anybody's backyard, that should be an advantage to them. Uh, the situation, I believe, gave you a stat that we hadn't beaten Philly for a very long time. And so to go back across country and to their den, uh to play them shows that uh, the Rams are hitting on some cylinders early that I didn't think that they would be hitting on with everything and the new changes and things like that. But I don't know that if it was more of the Rams, which I'm going to say yes, as opposed to Philly just seems like they're not playing as well as people would think.
2: I mean, it's kind of a hard one to judge because the Cowboys haven't played up to their potential yet either. But, you know, we talked about the game last weekend, both teams played a good football game, was a clean football game. It was a game that the Rams had a good game plan. And so it wasn't like the Cowboys came to that one and junked it. And the Rams, I thought looked pretty stinking good. I thought in that game as well, even, even with a few mistakes here and there, this game, a mistake from Cooper Cup is pretty much the blemish on this. That's it. And no, I just want to point this out. You can just screw me if you want it, but you're not paying Cooper Cup $16 million a year to go back and return punts. I uh, <laughs> just want to point that I'm not sure what is going on there. You,
1: would you pay your $16 million guy
2: to go back and return punts? Well,
1: the puns? thing is... You're you're looking at uh, a player. I mean, Deion Sanders was one of the best to do it, and I would imagine he was one of the higher paid DBs uh, pretty much throughout his career. So you're going to put a guy back there. Uh, Cooper Cup's done it before. He has sure hands, and he's going to make the right decision at the right time. So most of the you time, you get down to this. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm just saying at the end of the day, uh, football players are football players. They're called on to do uh, what is asked given their uh, expertise. So I would say that's part of his tools in his toolbox. And so uh, they're going to make sure that they got a guy back there. Because, again, you drop a punt, you don't field a punt. You know, that's a big momentum swing when you're talking about, you know, possessions in a football game.
2: Mike, you know what's a big momentum swing? Losing your $16 million receiver to a torn ACL, because Lord knows we have seen a crazy amount of injuries these first two weeks, and the Rams have gone through unscathed. I'm not sure you're going to pay this man to sit back there and return punts and risk injury when you need him in your offense.
1: Well, you need him in the offense, but there's one thing that you know when you put on the helmet and pads that There's a chance of injury. The thing is, you don't want to go into the game thinking about it like, oh man, if they put me back on punt return or kick return, man, it really increases my chance to get injured. No, you got to go in the game and be ready to play a full out no matter where you are at all times. Uh, And I definitely agree. This uh, year, too many ACLs, and my humble opinion, they're trying to say it's the turf, but. I just mm-hmm. believe you're you're trying to ask guys at that level to ramp up to game level with not the normal time that you have to do it. And I just I just feel like it has a lot to do with that. So
2: yeah. But I mean yeah, no preseason, interest, right? Man. I mean
1: no pre no preseason and you know, for what it's worth, the off season not really either. I mean You technically couldn't be around, or if you were, it had to be in a real, real small numbers. Now, I'm hoping guys, well, I know they were getting their workouts in somewhere, but it's not the normal. You show up at a facility, get your workout in, go get some uh, training in, some massage or whatever, and then go home and you do that all off-season, normal mini camps, normal preseason camp, and then hit, hit the game. Your mind and your body all work on those time frames. But if you're saying, we may play, we may not play, we may play, hey, do these Zoom meetings, oh, we're going to play. Come to camp three weeks and then we hitting it hard. That's a lot.
2: Hitting it hard, camps, yeah. And that's all the more – it just takes me back to last year when you and I were both like concerned that the offensive line – didn't get any starting reps in preseason, and then, bam, two of those guys are out in the first quarter of the season, right away. And they yeah. struggled even even before they were hurt. Shoot, Joe Nobub was just getting it right last year when he got hurt. So, I don't know that... I mean, I don't. we've talked about eliminating preseason games as part of the NFL deal and so on and so forth, and I think now we're starting to see the value of those games more than just injuries, but... Other factors as well. and I mean, I know how much you just love playing four preseason games, didn't you? Just loved it.
1: Well, you know, the, the thing is, uh, you you kind of, I don't want to say get used to it. The games you didn't like or I didn't like is the overseas game. It was cool to go overseas, but it was like, really? We're going to go way over here or over here a week? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was nice to see new places, the, the sites, and that game – wasn't as intense as other preseason because everybody's a little bit on vacation. But for me being my rookie year, it was pressure because you're trying to make every snap count. Uh, So next time in later years going to Japan and I didn't make the uh, Germany trip (laughs) because of contract. But anyway, uh, it was a little bit less stressful and somewhat more enjoyable because you have been there, you had made the team it was you know high likelihood that you would make the team again, so it just depends, but you you get used to it. I always love the preseason in the sense of it lets you get your reps up you know now mm-hmm. you're getting your speed of the game up, you're able to tackle an open space a little better. you know you may miss miss a few in the first preseason you cut those down, and then by the time you hit that fourth preseason. You know, you got a lot more of your timing down and things like that. So, used in the right context, and it can be beneficial. Now, again, those overseas, that makes it five preseason. So, if they can somehow overseas, you still have four. Or maybe you have three, you know what I mean, preseason games. But my thing is that everything that's leading up to the preseason, the camps, the summer part of it, and things like that. That timing was a lot off this year.
2: Alright, so just a couple of things about this. Speaking of injuries from the game, man, I guess considering what we saw from the rest of the league in the first two weeks, consider the Rams fortunate. Joe Nopeboom has a grade two cast trade. This came out in today's um today's presser. He's gonna be out in Buffalo. So there's one guy, there's one part of your offensive line gone. He could be out at, at least three weeks if placed on injury reserve. Waiting to see on that one. Malcolm Brown, fractured a pinky. He'll be okay. He'll be able to play in a splint. And the other guy that we should be worried about here is Cam Akers. Separates rib cartilage. cartilage. Chance he'll play this week. We're, we're waiting to see. Considering what we did see in the NFL, want we'll to get to that, I'll, I guess I'll take it. Not a great injury report, but this better than guys tearing ACLs, and the four Irons were just decimated with injuries this weekend. I know you're weeping over there, but you know, I mean,
1: well, the thing is, you never want to see uh, injuries to the effect that they were. You know, when you're talking about major knee injuries, you never want to see that uh, for any player, whether you you like mm-hmm. them or or not, and not that you don't like players, because really it's it's just the aura of that organization beating up on us. So, it's not really so personal to players, uh but yeah, I was just really saddened by the number of injuries and season injury season-ending injuries, you know. So Yeah,
2: yeah. We usually see a couple man. big ones early in the year. You know, I remember a few years back Tom Brady had his like when week 1. We've seen you know, it's it's what I guess it's pretty common to have at least one or two major star injuries early in the year. This year, we're on another planet with these things. I mean, we'll get we'll go, we'll cover them all, but I'm not even sure if you are NFL fans. You have an NFL team with Super Bowl aspirations this year. Yeah, I think you were right. I think you mentioned this. this is going to be a year of attrition. This is going to be a year of you know whoever can stay the healthiest. It might just be the case.
1: Yeah. Uh, No doubt. No doubt. Uh, And, again, I think, you know, a lot of teams, well, a lot of teams probably not going to get a mulligan like I thought because the way some of these teams are losing, it's like, you know what, we're going to need to make a change. But uh, for the most part, if you're out there being competitive, you're kind of coming up here and there, I think those teams get somewhat of a pass just given the circumstances. That's just my thought. Yep.
2: Maybe. We'll see. Would uh, Would Jared Goff be getting a pass
1: if he was having a hard time? No, I don't think so because, you know, he's got to come out and play a little bit better, and he sure has uh, played, I will say, uh, significantly better, at least early on. So I'd love to see him mm. keep it going and uh, continue to improve. I don't think so given – the last year or two, uh, that he would have a whole lot of room to, you know, be zero and two, zero and four, and trying to figure it out. I think it's time to see if this guy can really lead it.
2: Well, I I guess we're going to find out because the NFC West is bananas. When the 49ers are in last place at one and one, that tells you something. I mean. The NFC West looks crazy. It is as good as advertised. And we have all of our division games ahead of us to see. So looking at the actual stats for the game, total yards, Rams 449, the Eagles 363, passing yards 258 for the Rams, 242 for the Eagles, 191 rushing yards. The Rams opened up that playbook quite a bit. It seemed like everybody was running the ball yesterday. 121 for the Eagles. I mean, that's a, that's something for us to discuss right there. Average yards per play, Rams 6.7, Eagles 5.3. Rams win 37-19. Fumbles lost one for the Rams, one for the Eagles. In the Philadelphia through two interceptions. Rams allowed one sack. Philadelphia allowed zero. That's going to be something for us to talk about. We've had concerns about a potential lack of pass rush given the Issues with the Eagles offensive line. It blows my mind. We didn't get one sack yesterday. Penalties. Both teams play pretty clean. The Rams get four penalties for them in the game. The Eagles get five. Individually for the Rams, Jared Goff, 20-27 for 267 and three touchdowns. That's a much nicer touchdown-interception ratio than last year. Daryl Henderson, 12, touch, not 12, touches, 12 carries, 81 yards and a touchdown. Malcolm Brown, 11 carries, 47 yards. Robert Woods, three carries, 19, and a touchdown, and so on and so forth. Cam Anchorage is three for 13 before getting injured. Receiving, Cooper Cup, five catches for 81 yards. Tyler Higby five catches, 54 yards, and three touchdowns. And Jefferson, four for 45. Tackles. Let's see here. Well, can't forget Cooper Cup's fumble. That was lost. On a bonehead play. You have to admit. Bonehead play. Uh, Tackles overall. Michael Kaiser. 16 tackles in this game. Gonna ask you about that. John Johnson with eight. Jordan Fuller with nine. Troy Hill with eight. So lots of movement there from the secondary. No sacks again. Uh, Sam Sloman had a few people covering the game looking a little getting a little concerned, a little nervous. Let's ask you about Sam as well. The Eagles, their stats. Carson Wentz, 26 for 43 for 242, and two picks. Miles Sanders, 20 carries for 95 yards, one touchdown. Sean Jackson, six catches for 64 yards. Zach Ertz, five for 42. Jen Rigger, four for 41. Overall, Rams did a pretty good job of holding the tight ends in check. And, I mean, that's pretty much the bottom line. Overall, What's your impression of this performance? 3719. It could have been worse. What are
1: your views of it? Yeah, I mean overall overall, I mean, you got to say uh a win is a win. You know, as we talked a little bit last week, uh the more you get in the bank at this time of the year, the the less likely you are to uh go bankrupt at the end of the year. So, Two and zero is better than zero and two. Two and zero is better than one and one. Two and zero is two and zero. Now with a chance to go three and zero, you know. And so, from that standpoint, absolutely great. You know, when you you come away from wins, you know, you always, whether it's a win or a loss, there's something you can improve on. And so. Obviously, as they go through film and all that good stuff, they'll be able to say, hey, even though we won, even though this play happened, we had two breakdowns on it that against a better team, more disciplined team, that would cost us. So you just keep trying to tighten up uh, the loose ends and just get better week in and week out. So what
2: are two things that really are? Well, let's go through the magical three. What are three things that really impressed you about the Rams performance in Philly?
1: Well, one is go on the road and you come out with what is a pretty substantial win. And, again, the score doesn't necessarily dictate uh, somewhat how dominant the game really was. So that's one. Another thing is uh, not a whole bunch of, like, major injuries. Considering across the league, I think that's another win. Uh, Also, The guys that you're expecting to make some plays and step up are doing that. You know, Micah Kaiser, a lot of questions, but week one did well. This week, he almost doubled some things, 16 total tackles. Jordan Fuller, a rookie, is staying solid. He's right in there with nine. So you're looking at a lot of these young guys, either by draft or first-year players, that you're expecting to take the next step, and that seems to be happening. Uh, we talked early, this may be four, uh, about the tight ends getting a little more involved. So to see Mr. Higby, you know, come away with five grabs, 54 yards and uh, three touches, you know. So all those kind of things, I think those would kind of be my top three slash four.
2: Well, I mean, going on the road to Philadelphia, that's a big deal. Winning an early game. I mean, the West Coast teams traditionally don't play well at what's there 10 a.m. in the morning. I mean, so I us mean, just point that out. I mean, that was a solid win for the Rams. Jared Goff is really doing well within how Sean McVay is running this offense. And I guess now we can put to rest any kind of concerns about Goff this year. With a new offensive coordinator, so on, so that's what they needed. It's clear now they needed somebody. They they needed somebody in the booth to relay relay things down to McVay. McVeigh's calling some great great games as far in terms of offensive game plans. And you know this is a kind of reversal from last year where it just seemed like McVay would oftentimes get in his own way. And maybe now it wasn't McVay, but maybe it was say what we all thought it was, like the offensive line, not creating push up front. And maybe it was, um, you know, the injuries and so on and so forth, because he's right back to where we saw him in 2018 and 2017 to play calling. And then uh, the other thing, you know, the positive for me has to be a secondary, which is doing his job out there. They really did a solid job of ensuring Tight ends recovered. The linebackers, fully admirably, believe, and, and you know, Tony Pope pointed this out to me, you know, they were picking on Michael Kaiser pretty well. Michael Kaiser still, you know, tagged up sixteen tackles, so he was there in a spot. And if he got beat, he was there quickly to knock it down. So I think the Rams did a great job out there, and it gives me pause in terms of what our predictions were. I had them at nine and seven ish. I don't remember what, what did you have them for. I had them for nine
1: and seven. I think I, I was saying it's going to be ten to six.
2: I mean, I think I might up that prediction up a little bit. I think that they're showing us more than we. I certainly expected in the first two weeks.
1: Well, you know, I think we talked about Dallas having a little bit of stability at players, but again, truthfully, is they got Mike McCarthy, new coach, so. When you're thinking Dallas' old line the running game, hey, when in doubt, just turn around and give it to Zeke. Well, they came in and tried to do some different things, throwing the ball. Uh, so they got that win. Obviously, we felt going on the road, early game, Philly, not so much good luck in so many years. It didn't look very promising. Carson Wentz is back and, you know, all that good stuff. And you figure with uh, – you know, consistency with his head coach and so on and so forth, uh, that they would be ready to go. And there was a big concern on, you know, the tight ends just going crazy on us. Well, all those things didn't happen. Uh, Jared Goff, I mean, 20 of 27, that's that's huge, you know, three touchdowns, no picks, just one sack. You know, that means he's getting out the ball, the ball out quickly. And then to your point about Coach McVay, think about it. When you sit down and you make up a game plan and you go into that game plan and you're like, Yes, this what I'm calling on first and ten. Oh, that worked. Ooh, this one I'm calling on six and second and short. Ooh, yeah, that's working. Ooh, I'm calling this. Let me call a reverse play. Let me call whatever else. You know. So you as a coach get into a rhythm as well in calling plays. And when things are going off correctly, as you plan, it's a lot easier than you got to be constantly making adjustments every series, every quarter, the half. Okay, throw out that game plan. Let's go with plan game plan B. Oh, we, that ain't working either. Let's go with C. So, all these things to your point: healthy line, calm and plays that are actually working, and they're doing what they're supposed to. Yeah, it makes for a winning combination. It makes everybody happy.
2: And I, I think that it's going to mean a lot about this team down the line, if they can stay healthy. And that, hey, bring it back around. This is is what I think becomes the major concern for the Rams. They are now the second youngest team in the league. They are a team with a lot of players that right now they're trying to develop. And they have to develop because Robert Woods now has a massive extension. This team just signed three veterans to long-term extensions in the last week. Salary cap, schmalery caps. <laughs> right, right, right. But the price you pay is you—you you have to. You cannot miss on your draft picks. You have to develop these guys, and now the pressure's on. You got these guys have to develop across the board. You can't develop them if you're hurt. he needs well, to stay healthy, you
1: know. You think about it. Yeah, definitely need to stay healthy. But when you have some young guys. Uh, and I know at least for myself man you're like hungry to make a play to be in there you know and if you get a chance early well you're not trying to come back out so you look at uh young Jordan right
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Jordan fuller and you 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 got wrapped it you know I mean he got two tackles what have you but it looks like Jordan Fuller's like, hey, man, I'm not giving up this spot. So sometimes when you got youth, it's, I don't want to say the naivety, but the thing is, hey, man, I got a smell of this. I'm not giving it up. And so you have guys that are playing hard, practice hard. Uh, obviously, if you're a veteran, you may be able to look at film a little bit better, but maybe not, because it depends on what you did in college. So, I'm excited with the young guys in the first, second year guys uh, gelling and, and again, you know, you got these contract things that could be a distraction in themselves. They don't seem like they have. Guys are going out playing hard and that's what you want.
2: And this team is playing hard. I think that this team is playing incredibly smart too. Outside of the cup thing, there a whole lot you can pick at in terms of just dumb plays. The Rams had, what was it, four penalties yesterday? Or five, four penalties? I remember when Jeff Fisher took over this team. And you're, I see you're smiling already. And they were young back then, too. One of the youngest teams in the league back then. And they were constantly up at the top of the league in penalties. And thus far, the Rams have been pretty disciplined. Not perfect, but pretty, dis- pretty disciplined. We don't see guys that they're loose and are cool. We don't see guys that they're, you know, just behaving like fools. For the second youngest team in the league, I think that's a great sign about where this team is going. And, I mean, I guess we're on the Sean Muffet boat tonight. He's got this team under control. And that's hard for
1: young guys. Right. So, you know, uh, whatever the combination wasn't as well put together last year, it seems like at least early on, uh, guys are buying into new coaches, new scheme, a little bit on defense or whatever, uh, or they're buying into, as they say, the sauce. You know, people were mm-hmm. like, well, what is what is Pete? Carroll have going on, and those guys up there just play for him year in and year out. They have fun out there, so on and so forth. Well, Sean McVay seems to kind of got his mojo back, uh, and again makes you wonder. Maybe he had to to move a few coaches to to make sure that people recognized him. Not any knock on the other coaches, but they recognized him as not just a guy who might have been given a job a chance young guy okay he's cool this is really way Phillips I mean I don't know but to your point absolutely Derek it seems like guys have bought in we have low penalties and the reason why I was laughing you know Jeff Fisher we played this more you know a maverick you know we get them type of uh thing so it was a little bit built in in the culture that it's going to be a a few more penalties because mm-hmm. you're going to try to go out and intimidate people. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but again, sometimes that stuff works. If you're super dominant, like the bears were in those years or Philly, when they had Reggie and Jerome and all those guys and Seth Joiner. And, uh, but it always would cost them down the road because you get that untimely penalty. So, yeah, it was really good to see, you know, only a few penalties, really, four penalties. That's nothing in an NFL football game.
2: Well, and just to, to add on to that whole try to intimidate people, on the flip side <laughs> of it, opposing teams knew they can mess with the Browns players and they lose their cool. Yes. And that happened a lot, even to the great Aaron Donald. Yeah. he You know, he would occasionally flip his lid. And so, I mean, I remember – the Panthers game when Sam Bradford injured his ACL for the second time, and the, throughout that game, the Panthers were doing little things to emotionally get the Rams upset. They just knew how to how to to just them, how to get them upset. Yeah, this team just seems much much cooler, and their heads seem to be more controlled. And that is strangely, I mean, strangely reassuring. They're, again, they're the second youngest team
1: in the league. Well, as you're saying, Derek, and, and the thing that you can point out to any of the teams, a lot of the teams take on the personality of their coach. Sometimes it's their D coordinator. Sometimes it's not. Look at that Dallas game. Mm-hmm. I'm watching young Fossa over there go like, wow, man, that was our guy. I'm like, okay, what's he got up his sleeve now? Well, they got to play with a kicker puts the ball on the ground, and spins it 10 yards like a top. You know what I'm saying? But he had those guys rallied around like they knew they were going to get that onside kick. So already you can see he's making a difference in Dallas, just like he did when he was with us. So certain coaches have that type of effect that they truly take on the personality of the coach. And for the most part, if you look at Sean McVay, he's cool, calm, and collected, and confident. Mm-hmm. And you can see guys play like that, and
2: that's what we need. And that, that's what we needed for. Want to see a team get back to the Super Bowl? Cool, calm, collected, know what they're doing, making things happen. That's what we need. Now, on the flip side of this, I mean, there are a whole lot of complaints again. the pass rushes, and there, that was a concern for us entering the season, and I guess it remains a concern. Do you see any, anybody stepping up here to pick up that mail right now as, as a pass rusher for this team?
1: Well, I want to look at some real quick. Let me let me look at this real quick. Uh, I want to see this. Let me see this real. I see
2: quick. your mind kind of twirling. You got something that is brewing inside the Michael Stewart
1: brain. Well, the thing is, if you look at time of possession. We had the ball 31 minutes. They had the ball three less minutes at 28 and change. So when you go, well, there's not really a pass rush. Okay. If you looked at it, it was like we had the ball 15 minutes and the other team had the ball 45. You will go, yeah, man, the defense isn't doing anything. So the thing is, um, and if we were able to dig down a little deeper, look at third down efficiency, but Just looking at simple time of possession, final score, uh, I'm going to say, well, the defense, you know. Again, people forget, even though you may see a team, even like the Browns, that look like they're in disarray. Mm -hmm. You're playing against guys that are in the NFL. So pick any team and say, oh, you know, that garbage, this, this. Okay, those guys are in the NFL. So you're not just playing... A bunch of nobodies out there so scheme wise philly they're gonna make sure aaron donald is not getting home and then hopefully the other guys can hold up on their end to try to give their quarterback time to throw but if you look at his stats he was 26 of 43 so and two interceptions sure. like and two interceptions so those interceptions come by partly pass rush. Obviously, you know, guy could be playing good defense, but usually it's because a guy's got to get rid of the ball before he wants to, or he's feeling pressure and he throws it errantly. So I'm saying, yeah, man, what? You think Aaron Donald's going to go in and get, you know, five sacks every game? It's not going to happen. And again, without a super marquee guy, on the other side, I guess it kind of lowers the threshold a little bit on what we should really expect week in and week out. But my thing is, if they're getting off the field efficiently, get the ball back in the offense, they go uh, wind some clock, use some clock. That's a win.
2: Well, I mean, it's a win, sure, but they're gonna there's gonna be a time sooner or later where they need a pass rush. That's going to happen, and Philly's offensive line is an offensive line to give up a ridiculous amount of sacks against the Washington football team. I I did it, I said it without saying that R word. I did it. <laughs> he did do that. All right, there was my second, my second long pat in the back. But you get what All I'm right. saying? They that you're, you're going to need that pass rush against the 49ers, against the Cardinals, against Russell Wilson. They've Given the Seahawks' problems, because they've rushed the crap out of Russell Wilson for years, they're going to need that now. And that's what has me concerned. Well, If if you can't get a rush on one of the worst offensive lines in the league right now, then...
1: Well, is it the worst? Or is it matchups? Certain teams and certain plays, remember, Washington and Philly, they're like us in the Niners. They play each other twice a year. So, that being the case, yeah, it's not maybe surprising they got after some people, but it's not like Ron Rivera hasn't been able to put pressure on people. So, it's not like he doesn't know and his DC that is there running the the defense. But those teams play each other twice a year, they got a lot of tape on each other. So, I'm sure the games that you just spoke of, whether it's Frisco, uh, the nine, I mean, Seattle, even. Phoenix and all these other guys, yeah, when we get to play them, it's probably going to be a different game. Guys got a little bit more pin up emotions. Uh, and, again, you're talking about <laughs> stadiums that don't really have people in them. So,
2: so you're, you're uh, studying the lack of going. adrenaline that goes with playing the game in front of people.
1: Well, a little bit of adrenaline. But I'm saying in those games, the adrenaline is going to be there because of who it is.
2: I mean, we'll see. I mean, the Rams and the Eagles do not like each other. We all know that. They didn't play last season, but we can't forget 2018-2017. Those weren't pretty games. I mean, right. that's been there. But I guess that when I'm listening to you talk about that, the one thing that's come to mind, though, is when you're talking about a pass rush, it is about the matchups where's the matchup for the Rams right now if Aaron Donald's occupied? That's an honest question. Where's the matchup for them if Aaron Donald is double or triple teamed?
1: Right, and so that's where the other part of it, whether it's young guys getting in there or new guys or whatever, they are going to, one, address that. They're like, hey, guys, Aaron got three people on it. You mean one of you guys can't get free? And so those things will get addressed or they may have to bring some backer pressure or secondary pressure to, uh, you know, combat what may be a lack of pass rush. But I think as we get going, I'm still saying it's still going to take three or four games for teams and to really kind of start hitting their stride because I'm still considering this a little bit of preseason mode.
2: A little bit. We'll find out. And just speaking of preseason, let's wrap it around and we talk about the injuries. Let's do a quick rundown here. Major injuries this weekend. Here we go. The big ones, uh, the 49ers. They lose both Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas, both cards the field, both ACL injuries. Out for the year. Man, my right knee just kind of hurts. (laughs) didn't mention that. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo did not play. This per CBS Sports in the second half. Um, Nick Mullins finished the game. He will probably, I mean, a high ankle sprain, you never know. High ankle sprains, they can be back in a week. You can be out in three weeks, four weeks. We'll find out. Raheem Ostert and Tevin Coleman both out uh, both out multiple weeks. That 49ers team is devastating. This is a team that already lost, like Sherman. I mean, this is, that's devastating first week season for the 49ers. Uh, Saquon Barkley for the Giants out for the year ACL injury Sterling Shepard also was ruled out in that game for the toe injury Chargers rookie Justin Herbert he started in place of Tyrod Taylor Tyrod Taylor had had a chest injury before the game Christian McCaffrey out for looks like six weeks Okay. Paris Campbell for the Colts. Car out the field suffered an MCL injury. Okay. It's enough for he might be out for the season. Looks like a low percentage chance he's back because according to um Jemaiella from Col- from Colts Insider. Uh let's see here. Malik Hooker injury to his eighth, to uh, to his Achilles. So Oh jeez, and that's also being reported. It's a torn ACL. Another torn ACL, Mike. Devontae Adams, hamstring injury. Of course, we know about the Rams injuries. And Drew Locke. He's out. Right shoulder injury. We'll see how what goes on with him. Cortland Sutton, wide receiver. Torn ACL. This is becoming a recurring theme here. Uh, the, the Dolphins, Byron Jones, groin injury. Doubt 443, here we go. Anthony Barr from the Vikings. Shoulder injury. Suffered apparently a torn pectoral out for season. Let's see. Brashard Paraman from the Jets. Week to week with a sprained ankle. Seahawks are linebacker. Bruce Irvin tore his ACL. Washington football team's Brandon Scherf suffered an MCL sprain out three to five weeks. And the Eagles' starting line back, starting uh, left guard, sorry, Isaac Smolo is going to miss "quote unquote" some serious uh, to miss sometime. "Quote" with a knee injury. So that's quite the the list there, Mike. That's um, just
1: we yeah. Two. That's uh that that almost makes you sick at your stomach. Uh, again, these aren't like a, a sprained ankle. You know, you out for the next week or maybe even play. I mean, you're literally out for the... You're done for the year. You're done. So, you know, so...
2: You know, here's my thought, though, Mike. I mean, there's no way the NFL didn't know that the risk for injury was going to be higher this year. I mean, they, they, they know. They've, they've been doing this a long time. They, they know. And I'm just wondering... If it would have been smarter just to have a preseason. If they were concerned just to delay a little bit and run the season longer. I'm not sure I understand. Hindsight being 2020. Why the NFL did not actually. Plan for this. And to have an alternative plan. Because. This is. We're seeing. We're seeing guys. Receive damage to their bodies that will. Carry within the rest of their lives. A torn ACL is no joke. You know you have a large, large possibility of having arthritic knees at a rather early age as a football player. Anyways, at a torn ACL, I mean it's almost guaranteed arthritis. Depending on even the the injury, the level of arthritis. So I don't. <sighs> I guess it bothers me a little bit, Mike. This this is not – it shouldn't be happening this way. I wonder if there was an alternative solution for the NFL this year.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, if you were here at my house, I just was like, you got to be kidding me, man. And And I was telling my wife, I'm putting this at the front door of the NFL, and I guess we can throw the players union in there as well. Because everybody had to agree to this happening, players included. Uh, But you can't say, you know, oh, it was the turf. It was this. No, it's because, you know, guys just, in my opinion, again, had to just ramp it up too fast. And you're asking a guy who's very competitive to somehow break his way in when you only give him a few weeks and you know a couple, maybe one or two inner squads between your teammates, which can't really be inner squad because you can't be hurting each other in practice. So you have a couple of these maybe twenty play scripts, and you call them an inner squad, and you call it a day because you don't want to get it amped up too much in practice. The idea is save for the game. So yeah, man, I'm just I'm just a little just sick to my stomach, like I said, because it it just seems like. You know, things are about the money, and we're going to just kind of do it no matter what. And yeah, man, do I love to see guys back out there competing? Heck yeah. Do I love to see a guy like Jamal Adams, who is just giving it to people at Seattle after being Mm -hmm. traded? Heck yeah. I love to see that competition. You know, and even our own guys, the young guys just stepping up and doing well. But do you want to see it at the expense of all those names you name? Come on, Derek. These aren't just guys, you know, barely on a team. Mm -hmm. These are what are considered some of the Pro Bowl marquee players and names in the game. You know, Saquon Barkley, Bosa. Come on, man. These guys, they're difference makers. And so to see them have to already, at second game of what is this, whatever the season is going to be, it just kind of goes like, wow. And to your point, having had an injury, I think one of the deception is people see a guy with an ACL and it's like, oh man, he came back in like X number of months. Okay, yeah, that's really shouldn't be the case. You should be literally a a year out or, mm-hmm. or you know, 14, 15 months, right? But... You got the highest trainer. They may put a cadaver ligament in there for you. You know, you get all the training, you get all the expertise, you in the uh, whatever machines they need to take swelling out to get you going, rehab with trainers and equipment people, and, and then you're back out there. Oh, man, better than ever. Yeah, but to your point, there's a cost down the line. And why do you want to see a guy have a major injury? that you know it's gonna have some long lasting effects. I
2: mean we saw we saw Todd Gurley who when his bet when he was his best, he was one of the best running backs in the team's history. At his best. And then we saw his knee like that. Like he yeah. went from being the man to being Amen. You know, to a guy who was just was who still had the ability in open field but that burst, that that explosion to get you through a hole when you needed it at the line, it was gone. And I think it's Saquon Barkley, a star. Yeah. You know, and for what? Now I'm not, you know, I'm. The, it's fair to say the risk is always there, regardless of what year it is. Uh, it just seems like in doing the, in doing what they did to get the season started on time, like they normally would. I'm wondering if it was unneeded risk. I think the American public would have been happy waiting a couple more weeks for football to get a pro, get a preseason in. And I'm wondering,
1: or at least at least two games, right, or something. Yeah, something. Yeah,
2: yeah. you know. And now I'm just thinking, this is this may come back to bite the NFL. This could lead to an era, a time in the future where there's a couple years where we have this glut of stars leave the game because their careers have been shortened, and that's not good for the game. And the game is already seeing some lowering of numbers at the high school level. As it is, I mean, so this is about this is about the future of the NFL, and I guess we need to be grateful that the Rams have what injuries they do have aren't major. That they'll go into Week Three relatively healthy, and uh, they got a tough one up in Buffalo on turf, by the way. So we'll see how that goes. Well,
1: think 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 about this, uh, DC. Tyrod Taylor supposedly had cartilage or rib or something during the week, right? So he practices but supposedly has to leave and go to the hospital for chest pains. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, man, did he really have something wrong with his ribs or was it something else? But yet he was willing to go through the practice, come out there, and then it's like, yeah, man, I can't go. And matter of fact, take me to the hospital. Right, and so the other night, I don't know if you remember. Uh, since you're a history buff, you remember who the Kansas uh, Comet is considered running back.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh man,
1: uh, my main man Gail Sayers, right? Yeah, I believe that's what his nickname was. But I was watching that movie, Brian Song.
2: You know, oh, like, yeah, yeah.
1: Brian Piccolo, right? Mm-hmm. So, you remember, he gets that major knee injury, and then, you know, Brian Piccolo forces him like, hey, man, you're going to work and get back. Well, his career, Gale Sayers' career got sh- shortened because he got another major injury. So, But it's still considered one of the all-time great backs to play in this league, and I think he only got in maybe six years, something like that. Uh, so, I think of a guy like that who didn't have, obviously the technology that they have now, but the reminder is when you're getting these major injuries, you don't really know how your body's gonna respond. Mm -hmm. You you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so a running back, he's gotta be confident. So to Gurley's point, yeah, maybe he was willing to, okay. I got hurt in my last game in college, you know, at this bowl game. But you know what? I still need to try to make it because I still can help change my family's life. OK, I'm going to suck it up the first couple of years and do what I got to do to be out here and run. OK, I did that. I finally got the contract that can set our family in a nice spot. You can't tell me. As much as you might love the game, that if you're now for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, financially secure, mm-hmm. you're going to make yourself do the thing to get you there when you don't have to anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So now, Saquon, you know, go ahead.
2: I mean, that's that's got to be it, and and they have to keep they have to keep their best interest of heart in the end. Right, you know, so so I hate folks on a, on the game after a win to end us on such a dour note. But <laughs> let's take some joy and a couple things here: a, the Rams are two and zero; b, they're yes. pretty healthy overall. They, they considering what the NFL has been the first weeks are pretty healthy, and you know we expected that it would possibly be you know zero three season to start the year. Guess what? They're two and zero. I'll take it. I'll take it hardcore. Okay, folks, midweek we have we'll have the Rock Power Report with us to preview the Buffalo Bills. And of course this week we'll be back to cover that Rams hopefully victory over the Bills in Buffalo. So find Mike on Twitter at one dude23. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apala. You can find the Rams Talk page. at Talk Rams. Don't forget Rams Talk.net has our writers putting out some work. Okay? We'll see you next time. We're out of here.
1: We're gone.
2: Take it easy.